I'm Greg Daller-Coltman. Welcome to Ellipses Thinking, a podcast dedicated to exploring the nature of the creative journey in process. If an ellipses builds the perfect bridge from where we have been and are now to where we're next meant to be, then what intrigues me most lives between those three tiny dots. What we were really interested in with deep listening is um, the ability to to listen in a way where you're prepared to encounter the unknown, where what you hear might not be what you're expecting to hear, or you may, uh, I think it's part of that process of um, really sort of suspending your, your paradigm and your way of seeing the world and allowing other ways of engaging the world um, to enter in and, and being prepared to to learn and um, to, to also to um, in in this next step, I guess, to sort of question your own uh, reasons why you see the world you do, or or you know to to make space um, to allow for differences to emerge and um, and really, um, I, I hesitate to say understand, but like to to allow yourself to. Um, become familiar with another way of of knowing the world. This becoming familiar with other ways of knowing the world is deeply ingrained into the DNA of Nicole Schaefenacher's process as a writer and community facilitator. Nicole, it seems to me, has always lived her life in a constant state of ellipses thinking. Her work as an interdisciplinary artist and researcher exists in the liminal spaces between, a space of curiosity in which the unknown is in fact the only way we can ever truly be discovery ready. A writer, always with a unique path she's walked in theatre and dance, she sees in art the existence of pathways to create both meaning and understanding, to bridge knowledge systems and our ways of knowing, and to make the possible personal. Living fully in the question, how can art creation shape our knowledge? It is through her work that she embraces radical transformative approaches to addressing the most challenging and complex of issues that we face as one species alongside others on earth. A cohort member of the International Center for Art for Social Change, Nicole has spent the last five years living, studying, and working in northern BC and northern Norway, and is thrilled to now be living on the edge of Marsh Lake, Yukon. Her artistic signature is driven by a commitment to social justice and framed in terms of action research in which she is just as curious about what might result in the space of creation as any creative result itself. Nicole is currently artist-in-residence with the Yukon chapter of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. She is deeply committed to and engaged in working to undo the colonial relations at the root of the climate crisis and fully acknowledges her role in making active the ongoing process of decolonizing self and society. Nicole, hello and welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're you're more than welcome. You know, you have always struck me as someone who's compelled to lean into and toward what what might be possible. And as I see it, your artistic signature has has been driven by a commitment to social justice and framed in terms of action research in in which you're as curious about what might result in the space of creation as the creation itself. 
Um, but that's what it's looked like to me. How do you define the work you do? Hmm. Well, I think that it it draws on all of those pieces. Um, I am really invested in in what is possible and in um, ways to create spaces where community um, individuals can um, can take a few steps into the unknown and um, and really dive into their imagination about um, what kind of reality they want to be creating and what kind of future they want to be creating. Um, so it takes a couple different forms. I'm, I'm really interested in the written word and um, working in a, a poetic way. Um, I like to also sort of take it apart academically and uh, see what engaging with art um, does for ourselves as as um uh, people that engage in all different kinds of knowledges. Um, and I like to bring it into um, community-engaged um, interdisciplinary art um, performance spaces as well. Um, so for me, I feel like I, I haven't been able to, you know, to really stick with one medium. I find there's different ways ways in that um, sort of glean different um, uh, results or, or ways of... Um, tapping into that knowledge. So um, I think part of my practice is, is being able to uh, move between these different ways of knowing. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. The visual image that just came to me was a palette, uh, a, a painter's palette. Yeah. I, I, I know of your work in the past, certainly as a writer and that writing moved through you a long time, but even earlier than I think I originally knew you to be a, 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 a performing artist, both a dancer and, and, uh, and actor. Um, so tell, again, t talk to us a little bit about, um, about that sense of what the interdisciplinary palette of choices provides mm -hmm. to you and to the communities that you're creating work for. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I, I definitely find that writing is kind of my, my go to, it's my first way in. And um, it is a way that uh, it's the medium that I sort of feel like allows me to kind of get out of my own way and just enter into a bit of a flow um, and kind of uh, go into that space where you don't always know exactly what's going to come out. And I have a real inherent trust um, in the writing process um, for bringing me to a space of being able to articulate what I, what I want to say. Um, so I, I became really, really interested in, um, you know, what is happening physically <laughs> while we're writing or, you know, engaging with language, like what, uh, what pathways does that sort of open up in the body and um, became really curious about um sort of pairing these two uh, mediums of, of movement um, or sort of more performative um, ways of creating work and um, and then going back into the writing and seeing, because I found personally, I guess, that that writing seemed to open up a space um, that I, I couldn't uh, access directly as a performer if I wasn't somehow engaged in that writing process. And I don't know why um, it is that way for me, I guess. Every artist has their own <laughs> kind of wiring, but I became really interested in sort of what is the the physical, um, uh, I guess, the physical um, part of of writing, and and what does that do to the body? Hmm. And and knowing that, as you say, you became really curious about. Um, my sense is that you've made for yourself some discoveries, or you've you've. 
I don't know, acknowledged some, some patterns, some, 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 something about your process. So honoring your wiring, what, what, what have you come to know about yourself in that physical and intellectual uh, partnering? Yeah. Um, I think it's been a way to, to slow down and um, to really start to pay attention to, you know, how, um, how do these thoughts and images sort of become formed? What are the different interconnections um, between certain images and, and ways of thinking or ways of knowing the world? And, and is there a space in there to kind of um, go deeper, I guess, like for just um, appreciation of, um, of what might be possible uh, in those spaces where we don't really know, we don't really know what we're trying to sort of get at. So I feel like sort of that, um, yeah, the slowing down and, and not always sort of taking a direct approach in kind of open space to, um, to kind of appreciate um, what might be possible, what might be a different way of, of um, being in the world. And um, so I, I've sort of felt like it's a bit of a, a way of, yeah, I guess a fostering um, sort of like a reflective space that leads to um, agency. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just, you know, to, uh, listening to you share your thinking and your processing of that, um, A, I want to, I, I want to offer my gratitude for your willingness to, 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 to respond to what I realized was probably quite a personal question about how you live in the world and how you be. Mm. And I also n- know you to be deeply reflective, have always known you to be in that place of searching for meaning. And I love that you're willing to put space around that. Is that, is, is it coincidence or is it design that you have found yourself going to mm-hmm. some places in the world and on the globe mm-hmm. where I imagine there is physical geographic space around that as well? Is that, yeah. is that, is that that's a really happy accident? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And um, I definitely find that like, uh, you know, just part of my daily practices of of walking and being out um, on the lake with my dog, um, or, you know, like a desire to yeah to travel to places in the Arctic Circle. Um, yeah, that I feel quite intuitively drawn to those spaces. And that I notice once I'm there that they really do seem to feed my my work as an artist and as a writer. And um it's always been a bit of a struggle for me in some ways, because I think I sort of had an idea that um, art happens in urban spaces or, you know, uh, like that, that sort of oscillation between wanting to connect with community and wanting to be around other artists, but finding that, um, yeah, I guess quite uh, like a personal part of my process or the sort of germinating steps of my processes usually happen when I'm alone and in, um, quite open spaces. So it's always been a, it's been a unique journey to kind of resolve that and kind of recognize that art can happen in, in all different kinds of ways. And um, I guess that's been part of my, uh, become part of my, my work in a way is to really sort of advocate for um, 
artists uh, working and creating in northern and remote and rural spaces and uh, really valuing the perspectives and the voices that come from that. And, um, you know, I think it's a both and I think that um, there's so much so much to be learned and offered in in both um yeah, sort of these, I love being able to go home to Edmonton or to go to bigger centers and, um, and see what's happening there. And then also um, to kind of create an exchange, I guess, is what really feeds me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as I hear you say that, I suspect that there are many urban dwellers, <laughs> creatives and artists who can't, on the one hand, imagine giving up all of that they have been a part of and 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 where they sit within the community well at the same time how much so many of us must long for that space to go mm-hmm. for a walk as you say just casually just go for a walk at the arctic circle and <laughs> and, and commune with self and nature um, it's really quite it sounds beautiful um i'm sure it it has other elements to it um that sense of being being away mm-hmm. So, Nicole, much of your recent work um, has centered on um, the global cr- climate crisis, uh, and I know that uh, you've, you and some some fellow researchers have been have been doing uh, doing some work in that area on a, on a variety of different projects. Um, in one piece of your research, I know that you build on the on the scholarly argument uh, that by shifting the frame of climate change as singularly an environmental issue to one in which we see climate change as a form and product of colonialism, um, it follows that to address the climate crisis, we must also address the colonial relations. Um, and and that that alongside this group of colleagues, you've been working to explore and articulate how members of of the non-indigenous community might more actively engage in that decolonization. You speak of how embodying right relations is an active and a long-term commitment to decolonize yourself and your world, and and you acknowledge that it is a continuous and ongoing process of becoming with no end point. That's coming from some of your work. I wonder if you might take us into because this is. This is foundational, it seems to me, to the to to who you are as artist, as human being, and as member of of the global citizenry. And by that, as I said in the introduction, I extend that beyond just the human experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lovely. Hmm. Um, so, can you talk to us a little bit about this the the the, the relations that uh, mm, that are so mm, key and fundamental? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I really found that, uh, that this work kind of started to gel while I was doing my master's and, um, really sort of asking myself questions about how the personal and, um, how, how it relates to the way that we are in society. And then of course, how these sort of collective or societal relationships affect, um, our environment and kind of, uh, moving between the three spheres of personal and collective and environmental. And, um, of course this, uh, sort of, you know, reflects and honors, um, thinking and knowledge that has been in indigenous communities, um, always <laughs> that we can't sort of extract ourselves from, uh, from the environment and from our relationships, um, with all, with all beings. Um, but I, I sort of began, I think that truth kind of started to land for me a little bit more and, um, you know, started to think about my art practice as, as one way that maybe I, um, 
can shift it from looking at, you know, specifics, like something like creating a script to creating spaces where, um, where people can engage differently and they can have sort of an experience in their, in their body that connects them to other people differently or connects them to the, the land that they're on differently and became really curious about um, the possibilities. So I had an opportunity in the second half of my master's to, um, to go to um, Buddha, Norway, um, and became familiar with the work of Karen O'Brien, who's a researcher at University of Oslo, and um, she runs a program called Adaptation Connects. Um, and through that work, um, connected with some of her her grad students, Julia Benz and um, Ermeline Graham Hansen, and um, and we we became really curious about um, you know what are what are practices or approaches that we've used in our um, our academic work or our creative work that that feel like they're making a, a difference and um, that maybe address some of the the how of how do we start to enact some of the ideas that we've talked about with climate change transformation where we recognize that there's this um, link between colonial relations and sort of extractive industries um, how do we how do we do something differently and um, and we started to talk about our our processes and and when when they've seemed to be successful or to create something that um, felt like a, a positive way into recognizing the reality that many of us um, you know come from from places where we don't have indigenous ancestry to the land that we're on um, so how do we find a positive way forward to to all be here and to really practice and live live stewardship um, so the four ideas that um, that kind of came to evolve through our, our writing process um, were deep listening um, practicing self-reflexivity um, creating spaces and and being in action and um, those have been ideas that um, that evolved through the paper and that um, I've recently been been interested in looking at how those can relate to a creative practice as well or to a creative process because I think that there's something about them that um, speaks to my my um, way in as an artist. <laughs> So I wonder if we could just drop into a couple of them. I, I know certainly that that idea of deep, deep listening grabbed my attention as it, as it certainly does for me make some sense to how we relate to anyone as community and also everything as potential for our work. But talk, talk to us a little bit about how deep listening relates specifically to this work and then maybe that Maybe that it, it helps you to build that bridge uh, into where it, where it shows up for you and, and how it serves you. Yeah. Um, so I think what we were really interested in with deep listening is um, the ability to to listen in a way where you're prepared to encounter the unknown, where what you hear might not be what you're expecting to hear, or you may, uh, I think it's part of that process of um really sort of suspending your your paradigm and your way of seeing the world and allowing other ways of engaging the world um, to enter in and, and being prepared to to learn and um, to, to also to um, in in this next step I guess to sort of question your own uh, reasons why you see the world you do or or you know to to make space um, to allow for differences to emerge and um, and really, 
um, I, I hesitate to say understand, but like to, to allow yourself to, um, become familiar with another way of, of knowing the world. When have you found for yourself in your work that it has, it's just felt like it matters the most to really Mm -hmm. stop and listen? Yeah. Hmm. Um, right now a project that I'm working on is, uh, as an artist in residence with Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society in in Yukon. And um, I find in my personal practice, I, I really need to enter into a space of, of listening. Um, and I, I like to do that um, when I'm outside sort of on, on the site. Um, we're, we're working with an area called McIntyre Creek. Um, and I, I guess a big part of my practice is just being able to go through, go on walks through that area. Um, and even, even walks sort of, um, closer to home at, um, at Marsh Lake, I find being able to be outside and just really listen to my own sort of, um, sensory experiences of what it, what, uh, speaks to me when I'm in nature. And, um, I guess really to to pay attention to slow down and and pay attention to the different birds that are coming through the um even just the the cycles of the light on the land um and and just to I guess have a willingness to um to sort of not not know uh I, I think that's what what comes from deep listening for me is um a willingness to kind of actively participate in what's happening in in the moment and um sort of be be led by the creative process or or where i really feel like i start to cook is when i can i feel like the art and the art process and myself are in dialogue and in exchange about what what the next moment will be or or what um wants to come to sort of um material being yeah yeah and what was powerful in my understanding of what i heard you say is that for somebody to understand what you're talking about deep listening is not just the sensation or the sensory experience of what we hear it's i heard you talk about the, the way in which the light played the way in which you are in relationship with so it's a deep is not just better listening it, it feels to me like in the use of that term deep listening it's it's deep within <laughs> yeah. um, an experience yeah yeah yeah, yeah so <clears throat> the 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 second the second step in in the in this process you you use the term self reflexivity mm-hmm. um, can you define that a little bit for us as to mm-hmm. as to what that is and why it's important mhm well, I think it's something that naturally comes from from the deep listening um, step. I think when you when you are in that space of of being really um, present and open to to what what might come next, um, and just kind of you know in that exciting space of um, I guess just being able to. Uh, to, to show up and um, to be willing to to sort of go into the unknown, I think that it naturally brings about this self reflexivity where um, where there's a little bit of space to sort of question, you know, why why you're responding to something the way that you are, or why um, you know what is this sort of thought pattern that's coming up, and is there is there another way of approaching um, the question that's at hand? 
Um, and so I think that I think that when you enter into that space of deep listening, there um, there's naturally sort of this this gentle questioning that um, starts to happen that I think is really really healthy um, for this point in time, especially when. I think one of the most valuable things we can do is is be open to difference and to um, really being with with difference in a a way that is curious and a way that is um, uh, relate in relation, yeah, with with other, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the and the term blind spot has come up as it relates to yeah. this, and, and so yeah. what I'm understanding is that if one is willing to hear in all ways what yeah. one is listening to in all yeah. ways, yeah. then it naturally follows that we begin to examine that which we have seen to be true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in all ways. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And 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 so so just help to make that link specifically to the conversation that we, that you are in with, with, with your peers. And I, and I don't mean, you know, it just, just as it relates to our better understanding decolonizing spaces. Yeah. How does that, okay. how, how might that self-reflexivity begin to, 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 to take us there into that question? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I think that, um, so for me, uh, this is really sort of about becoming familiar um, and and being willing to sort of question the ways that um, colonial thinking has sort of conditioned uh, me or, or to be aware. And, you know, for everybody, I think it is different. Everybody's sort of on a different continuum of that. But um, but I, I find that the self-reflexivity really allows me to kind of identify um, in myself, like where, what are the pieces of um, colonial thinking that are sort of in my... Um, you know, my way of relating to the world. And I think that, that can be a bit of a scary question to ask. Like, I don't think anybody, you know, wants to, you know, think of themselves as a colonizer or relate, you know, I think it's a, it's a hard territory to go into or there's vulnerable space there. But, um, but I do find um, in that, in, you know, real willingness to, um, to be with, self-reflexivity and I'm kind of drawing on the work of um, Paulette Regan now and her book um, Unsettling the Settler Within um, mm-hmm. that there's something about being able to to really ask yourself um, how how do you participate in uh, colonialism or in upholding these structures and um, and just I think that it's such a it's a long process. I think that it's in, you know, so many of our ways that we approach work or thought or building relationships or relationships to our, our bodies or um, to food, you know, it's, it's in all of these different areas. So I think it's a, a lifelong process, but I think creating space around that can maybe allow some of these things to yeah. shift. Well, and I think you've just taken us into the, to the third section the creating space and then beyond that to being in action and and my my guess is that even as you've word, used the word continuum upon which we all are as we move towards deeper understanding of this issue and any issue that 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 we're willing to engage in vulnerably that there is also that through line of all of this work so we create space with which to do um 
to do our work and, as you've pointed out, to let others take space <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. So we're creating, mm-hmm. is, is the creating of space the acknowledgement that if, I, if, if I've taken up too much space, uh, I, I need to respond to that and, and, and honor that. Just, yeah. just finish that journey for us, if you will, the creating space and then moving it into a being in action. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that, um, that, that sort of creating space like naturally responds to the, um, the self-reflexivity piece, especially for me, like I, I think, um, you know, working in, um, the arts or in writing, I think that there's always, um, this, I think there's an, an internal pressure that sometimes shows up where you're, you know, you're trying to center your own voice or you're trying to um, figure out what your niche is or figure out what it is that you do and what you contribute. Um, and so I think that um, for me, a big part of it is uh, working against that, not not working against that impulse, but shifting that impulse to recognize that all, all thought, all sort of creativity, um, writing, um, creation, I think happens in community and happens by, you know, drawing on other people's ideas, building on them, um, you know, bringing in other people's voices and that really none of us do this work alone. I think we're always sort of existing in this nexus together where we're figuring out, uh, what is the next, um, you know, step in our, our future and we're, we're co-creating the future together. (laughs) Um, and so, I I think that, that, yeah, creating space is, you know, it has to show up in in creative and academic processes where you um, shift that that power and, you know, bring in multiple voices. So I'm always sort of looking for opportunities in my work where I can um, bring in collaborators, um, where I can kind of um, distribute resources um so that it's something that's that the community is doing together because i also think that it can be um i I think it just makes better makes better art makes for better (laughs) academic work when it's um coming from from multiple voices with multiple points of view um so i think that that leads to the the being in action piece um we really talked about how these things have to happen on a it has to happen on a material level it has to involve um you know money is one way of having power or having time or having space to invest in this work. Um, so I, I'm really interested like um, in finding ways to, to bring on um, yeah, to bring people into the process. Um, so I guess one, one sort of example I can draw on is um, looking at uh, a research project that I'm involved in right now. We're working with an advisory council and working with um uh, project um, liaison and co-facilitator. And um, I guess really I, I've sort of tried to position myself as somebody that maybe can help um, support the flow of information, but um, but I'm not wanting to center my own voice in any way. So sort of creating space for the the community to um, to do the, the work on what is needed and what are the priorities of the research um, and, and help to uh, create positions and distribute funds. Um, this is not my own, uh, not my own sort of research project. I'm working as a coordinator on it, but sort of taking what I can in, in my part of the project to um, open it up to the broader community. 
On the next episode of Ellipses Thinking, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lance Cardinal, a proud member of the Treaty 8 Big Stone Cree Nation with family roots stemming deep from within his small home community of Calling Lake, Alberta. Over the past two decades, Lance has built an impressive catalogue of work as a multidisciplinary and multi-award winning creative professional and cultural healer. Lance's enthusiasm is, simply put, infectious, and his commitment to teaching lives in everything he does. His online presence provides snapshots of the process-in-process process of his mural paintings captured day by day, and snapshots of his heartfelt experience of the work in creative process as well. Through his YouTube series Indigenous Art Adventures with Lance Cardinal, he's created the platform for his skills as performer, visual artist, and educator to reach through the screens to young people of all ages to introduce or reinforce important learnings in a desire to help bridge the gap of understanding between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Canadians. Whether creating an original shoe design for an iconic local company like Kunit Shoes, a mural to celebrate the science of Indigenous land learnings at the TELUS World of Science in Edmonton, or a breathtaking celebration of Turtle Island as a logo for the Edmonton Oilers, Lance remains completely focused in his passion to share deep and reverent knowings through the imagery of his art and the openness of his heart. I sure hope you will join me in my conversation with Lance Cardinal on the next episode of Ellipses Thinking. So, Nicole, I understand that you are currently uh, working on a project in Marsh Lake, Yukon, that you are the artist in residence uh, on this project with the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society in the Yukon chapter. Um, we've talked about the fact that you've worked in some research in, in Northern communities before. I'm fascinated about how you choose these projects that take you into the unknown or does the work choose you? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that's really wonderful. Cause I, I feel like it's a bit of, um, a bit of both and it's a bit of um i think that you know this new sort of field of uh research creation or looking at how art can um shape knowledge is is something that we're sort of just figuring out how uh you know what does that look like and what are these uh yeah what are these sort of positions or or job titles that you know how could that sort of be carried out i think it's um it's all um, a bit of an emerging field. Um, so for this particular project, it, this is part of my um, my work as uh, a member of the cohort of the International Center um, of Art for Social Change, um, where I'm being mentored by a theater artist, um, Will Wiegler, who is um, really engaged in um, community engaged art and has been mentoring me on that. Um, and so the the premise of the Futures Forward program is that they pair an artist with an environmental organization in Canada and um, the organization and the artist have a conversation together about um, how how they can kind of support the, the work that's being done. Um, so it's, it's a really exciting um, position to be in because I think that there's no of course there's people that have been um you know paving the way for this kind of work for for decades and um but I think that it there's no real rule book of how this 
uh, work unfolds. And I, I think that's one of the, the goals of the Futures Forward program is to um, partner mid-career artists with um, artists, senior artists in that they have experience in this field to kind of, you know, figure out the the ropes of um, what what does bringing an artist into your organization um, add to the dialogue and how does it sort of open up different spaces. Um, and for me, it really relates back to my work of, um, I guess, having a, uh, a real um, being really drawn or really compelled by uh, work that kind of touches people on an individual level. Um, and I think sometimes uh, with broader environmental questions and things around climate change, um, it can be overwhelming and it can, um, you know, it can, we, we start to think of these really, really big picture things and it's hard to find action or steps in that. Um, and I think drawing it back to the personal and sort of, you know, what, what are the ways that we move through the world and um, what, what, what can you do sort of thing? Like I, I find that linking it back to the personal um, can be a kind of a fertile place to start um, with solution spaces or change um, and, and that it really does matter. Hmm. So where are you at in the process at this point? Mm -hmm. So how long have you been there? Yeah. So we've been having, um, so I was lucky enough to do a project with um, Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, Yukon Chapter, um, earlier this year. Um, and this was separate from the Futures Forward program, but um, I was able to work on um, a climate change theater action um, uh, play for for that festival, um, and link link the script to McIntyre Creek, um, part of the the Climate Change Theater Action Festival's um, sort of mandate or or premise is that um, each each theater piece um, they invite the artist to to link with sort of a local action happening in their community, so that you kind of move beyond telling a a story um, about climate change and and you kind of link it to a concrete thing happening in your community. So I was really interested um, in working with a script by um, a Yukon-raised artist named Ren Bryan. She wrote a script called When that um, sort of examines these bigger questions of um, when did humans start to sort of see themselves as being separate from nature? Um, and she works in a very poetic way. Um, and I, I, so I, I love these big sort of philosophical questions that she was asking and I wanted to link it somehow to a local landscape. Um, so I worked with CPAWS on going through their, um, they were really generous in that they provided access to their, um, their field recording library of all the different bird sounds and all the different, um, sort of animals that are in that space and also some, um, video footage of, uh, wildlife cams. And I, I worked with, um, a sound designer, Ashley Wekeser, who's Edmonton-based, um, and she helped to create a soundscape that kind of moved through um, Ren Bryan's text that was brought to life by some some actors up here. And it was, I, I felt like it was a really um, informative project for my own process to kind of look at how um, environmental uh, data can be used as source material for a creative process and can kind of provide a new way into that landscape and maybe speak to people up here differently than, um, 
than reading a report or, um, you know, sort of ways that we need, of course, we need, we need this data, but what are other ways to kind of enter into it and to form a relationship with that place? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And Mm -hmm. so uh, how, how long are you there on this current project? Yeah. So, so then this project kind of followed on the heels of that. I was, um, uh, lucky to be able to, to join the fourth cohort of, um, of the Futures Forward program. And I wanted to continue this relationship with CPAWS. Um, and so I, I propose that I extend the programming and we've been, um, discussing this programming since, um, I would say uh, January, February of this year, and we'll be launching into it the next month. And so um, what we've created is a, a series of five events um, that are about making art in um, in McIntyre Creek. And I think what's kind of unique about it is that it's not necessarily about um, creating sort of a product or creating something that kind of is layered on top of um the the site or the I'm thinking in sort of like a site specific way um, it's more about spending time in McIntyre Creek and looking at what's already there and how do we sort of amplify um, the voices that already exist in this place or the even sort of the natural architecture of that space and looking for for possibilities to kind of co-create in a way <laughs> with that location mm-hmm. there's a lovely sense of art as an honoring Yes. Um, you know, we, yeah. we so often think of the celebration that comes at the end of the event, or, you yeah. know, the event and then, and, but there's an honoring, uh, in, in everything I'm hearing you say within, um, and, I, and, and Nicola, uh, again, from the very outset of our conversation, it was a reconnection to, um, to a person who I know believes deeply that art is a way of knowing and all many ways of knowing um, expressed in, in unique ways. You talked about how you yourself are wired. Um, there's a, there's a quote I was coming, I, I came across not so long ago uh, by a French artist, J.R. Um, art is not supposed to change the world, but to change perceptions. Mm. Art can change the way we see the world. And I'm, mm. I'd love to know what perceptions, when you really break it down to that, you know, what, what might you hope that your art would help mm. us to see mm. or hear mm. or feel mm-hmm. or experience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that um, for me, it's really about drawing, drawing attention um, to how, porous we are as people like that we we don't have these fixed identities that I think maybe we um you know uh like to like to hold on to or I'm speaking I guess from my own perspective like um so I think that when I really slow down and when I really pay attention and when I really feel like I'm in um my art practice in in a holistic way whether it's as a writer or as a facilitator for a community engaged project I I feel like my attention um, almost always goes to the the sort of porousness of the moment and, um, you know, how, what we're perceiving, uh, what we're feeling, um, how it's so, it's so deeply interconnected with the space that we're in and the environment that we're in. And I think um, when, when we can kind of go into that place of, of 
being in the present moment and kind of entering into the unknown, then other other possibilities um, emerge. And uh, I like to, I guess, approach that as an artist. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about um, how different uh, sort of innovative um, ways of, of creating something um, can happen. But I think that it has... Uh, real ramifications or real sort of um, there's real knowledge there for um, the way that we we can kind of exist in this this current moment where we're looking at a, a climate crisis of um, when we do slow down and we do have that receptivity um, other other potential ways of being in community um, kind of come to the surface um, so I, I think that I would really like my my art to um, create spaces where people can have that um, that experience of, of recognizing that what we think of as the self is really a combination of relationships and influences and inspirations and that that is always in motion and always um, shifting and um, that I think when we we really honor that and we really love that that it creates um, it creates space for for new uh, new possibilities to emerge. Mm. I heard you use the word practice earlier, and we so often think of one's creative art as a creative practice. I'm hearing you talk about life and the mm-hmm. and the practice of living. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so many so many times we 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 acknowledge that the unknown is uncomfortable. It's new. It's different. I'm hearing you say, and the word was love. <laughs> the word was that we we can really love what we are, where we are, who we are, if we're willing to know that we're in constant motion. And there was just something really quite beautiful about that as it connects to this sense of being on a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before I let you go, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one more question. Uh, uh, you've shared you you've obviously shared a lot about what has inspired you and is inspiring you um some people many other ideas thoughts and experiences but one of the questions that i've been asking guests um is to imagine yourself sitting in fly on the wall mm. a few a few generations beyond now mm-hmm. and listening to somebody that you have been in, I, I, in some way connected to through their story, a child though, Nicole, a child is telling someone about you wow. long <laughs> after you're perhaps gone from this experience. Mm. What, what words come to mind that you would hope you would hear in the story of, of you? Wow. That's such a beautiful question. Thank you for that. Mm. Hmm. I, I think that it, for me, it really comes down to, um, freedom of expression, um, freedom to, um, freedom to love all the different parts of, of yourself. And, um, I think to, uh, to embrace uncertainty as, as a real um, catalyst for, for creative change and for, um, and for love. (laughs) Mm. That's lovely. Thank you. Thanks so much for, um, for, for, for joining in, in this conversation. And uh, I just, um, 
I'm 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 so I'm so thrilled that the community that you are a part of currently it has you there. It has you a part of that uh, of that journey, not as an expert, but just as a as a member of the curiosity circle. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to get to speak with you. And I, I have to just say that, you know, so many of the the willingness to to be with um to be with that uncertainty and to, you know, to um live this pathway as an artist really, really comes from so many of your teachings and, and getting to know you um in high school. So thank you for uh opening up that door for me in a lot of ways. <laughs> Ellipses Thinking is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It is produced by Jordan Dollar-Coltman and Greg Dollar-Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years, their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space.